0: What's up, high school football fans? Welcome to the Prep Sports Report high school championship pigskin preview. Uh, I've been doing this all season long. It's the coach Carl Demasi. Love talking about the high school games that are coming up, and we only have one left. One left tomorrow at 3:30 at Park Stadium, right there in the ATL. Benedictine goes for a back-to-back state titles against undefeated, number one ranked Cedar Town, and this couldn't be. This couldn't happen without. You guys listening, but with the next guy who's been on here for uh, consecutive weeks. I don't know how many consecutive weeks, but uh, he does a great job. Covers uh, local sports for Connect Savannah. He does the prep sports report. Uh, he's all over the place. He's been covering uh, high school sports since 2016. He also is a former honorable mention all-region basketball player, which is what he's into right now. But we got to talk about football. Joining me now on the coach scoring a hot seat is the man himself, the sports writer, Travis Jadon from Jedan Sports. What's up, Travis?
1: What's up, Carl? I'm excited about this game this week.
0: I mean, last time we're going to do this, we have no more football left. Uh, it's been a lot of fun, and uh, I'm glad we got one team we still can talk about, and that's, of course, the Benedictine Military Cadets going for their fourth championship, uh, fourth in Danny Danny Britt's tenure, 2014, 2016, 2019, 2020, 21. Uh, so it's going to be something special to watch.
1: Yeah, I mean... Like, we're going to get into all of, like, the historical stuff that's surrounding a state championship game. But the fact that Benedictine is back here again, it feels familiar, but it's still exciting at the same time, right? I'm sure for BC fans, that this doesn't get old.
0: Oh, it's always exciting. And, uh, you know, listen to uh, your Hot Grids podcast, which is part of the Coach's Quarters Sports Network. And, uh, you know, you talked about the community backing Benedictine. I mean and that's what it's all about we've watched these kids grow from the youth leagues to middle school to high school you know they all know each other if you're not rooting for a kid that's from savannah whether they play a benedictine savannah christian uh johnson high school there's something wrong and that's what makes this fun since i came here in 1995 i could never understand why some people won't root for other schools but it's time to come together because this this is Savannah, these are kids from the 912 from the seaport. I just don't understand why people can't, you know, back each other up and they hope to see teams lose when they're from where they live.
1: Yeah, well, I'm of the mindset that you can't pick and choose the way you feel or who you want to win. Does that make sense? Like, I feel like, like either you want BC to win or you don't, and you can't really make yourself change the way you feel. But, like, I've always thought if it's a rival school – and they're in the playoffs, like maybe it's a little natural to root for them to lose in the playoffs. But once you reach the state title game, and it's just one team left from your city that has a chance to bring back a state title to the city at that point, I think you have to root for the team. And and I do hope that the city of Savannah, like all these other coaches and players and, and fans are, are watching the game on Friday, rooting for BC. I don't know if that'll be true, but I hope that's the case.
0: You know, I could see during the season, okay? I could see during the season and you're in region play. Of course, you're looking for certain teams to lose. But like you said, when you get to the playoffs, the playoffs, okay, you should be backing the the, the team from your city, from your state. Uh, you, know, you know, I understand pro and college and all that, but these are our local kids. This is fundamentally... Where it all starts, where these kids go on to college, they go on to the pros. I don't know. I'll just never understand why, you know, the other night, well, I hope BC loses. Why? Why do you hope BC? Oh, they're always winning. Everybody hates a winner. But you know what? These are the kids from our town. I'm not going to give you any names who said it to me. It just annoys me. I'm going to root for BC. I'm going to root for whatever team's in the playoffs. And it just so happens if it's my school going against your school in the playoffs, I'm going to root for my school. But when it's one team left, one man standing, come on. It's all about the Sab. It's all about the Seaport.
1: And when you say that, Carl, I think everyone knows that you're genuine. That's genuinely how you feel. But I don't like. I mean, I don't judge, or I don't think people are wrong to root against teams. Like I'm not going to sit up here and say that I don't root against teams. Sometimes state championships are different, though. They are. Okay. This is a different level.
0: All right, talking about state championships and, you know, the old guy, you know, I've been here since 95. I wasn't born and bred here like you, but uh, 75 years in Georgia High School, we haven't had back-to-back winners. i got to give a big shout-out to the uh, Memorial Day School Matadors because in Georgia Independent Schools Association, that's another thing that I'm going to do quickly with you. Okay, they went back-to-back in uh, 08 and 09, and then I think they went 3-11 and 11 in, in 11, 12, and 13. Michael Thompson did a great job, six championships. So we have had it, but we've never had it in the Georgia Heights State Association. That's another thing. We don't, and you didn't, you didn't realize it because you're hyped, you're writing your article, you're talking about it, but a lot of people don't give those schools in GISA, or now it's the Georgia Independent Athletic Association, or Skeza, the South Carolina Independent States Association. So St. Andrews won a couple of football titles there in, in the late 90s, early 2000s. Uh, they've won volleyball, they won... I mean, so these little schools... That don't play in Georgia High School deserve the same respect as the Georgia High School State Association season, and you had nothing to do with that. I mean, I can understand. You, you just, you know, you were concentrating on Georgia High School State Association. Yeah,
1: and but I mean, isn't it also fair to like can't you respect those schools while also saying that it's not the same level as GHSA? I mean, what do you, it, mean? It, you got St. I don't, you I don't got St. That. Andrew's
0: last night kicking butter on the basketball court.
1: Well, but no, yeah, that's true in basketball. But for instance, in GIAA, you can win a state title uh, by winning two games or three games total in the playoffs. Uh, if it's a 10-team bracket, there's a SCISA, uh classification or division where you only have to win two games to reach the state championship game. I mean, it, it's – I give it the same amount of respect, but it's different. And, and that – I guess that's what but, I would say. But, but is, to- is it
0: – is it Memorial Day school or St. Andrews or Bethesda or, uh, you know, anybody else we could think of? Is it their fault there's only three or four schools? No, of, you it's know. not
1: their fault, but do you think if BC did, if they won the amount of championships that Memorial Day did, do you think that that would be equally as impressive?
0: I mean, you're talking to the coach. You know me. I'm am a homer altogether. It's I impressive. Like no, long, it's long impressive. Long. No matter. It's impressive to me, no matter what level they're on. I mean, youth football. I mean, if you could do it six years in a row, like your little girls' basketball team, you win a championship. I'm gonna love on you if you come back and do it again next year.
1: I hear you. Listen, I love state titles for Savannah, no matter what direction they come from. But I want just for people for reference here. I wrote the column in Connect Savannah, trying to. Because in my mind, it feels like we've had a bunch of GHSA back-to-back state championships in football, basketball, or baseball. And I guess it's because we've had a lot of teams get really close. But in fact, it's been a long, long time. Um, And of course, it's BC that has a shot to break that.
0: Yeah, I mean I mean it's just it's just but that's just the me. point
1: of the column though, right? It's so we can get talking about it. Oh
0: yeah, definitely. definitely there's always pros, there's always cons. People take different sides, that's what it's all about. But yes, way back in uh you know uh Savannah High School, the blue jackets, uh, which you know always has been, which I hated to see and has always been BC's main rival, but you know, that's gone out due to the classifications and all that other stuff. Yeah. So uh yeah, so yeah, that, that's just a touch base on that. Okay. All right, so we're going to do this quick. We don't want to be here all night. We don't want to spend 40, uh, 50 minutes on this. But last week, recap, Benedictine, Benedictine, Benedictine. I walked in uh, right before halftime. Of course, you were up in the booth the whole time in that nice cozy uh, room next to Pat Rossner. (laughs) And uh, it was 28-0 when I walked in there. I mean, of course, as soon as I got out of my basketball game, jumped in the car, put on the golden voice himself, uh, Kevin Thomas and his sidekick, Christian Gokel. And I couldn't believe it It was 21-0 when I walked in the stadium. They scored uh the fourth touch to make it 28-0. What was it? 42, uh 35 nothing at halftime, 42-7 before anything got going.
1: Yeah, 21-0 after one quarter, uh, 35-0 at halftime, and then 42 to 7 at one point late, yeah, after three quarters. And then uh, the fourth
0: then, quarter was running clock.
1: Yeah, and then Troop uh put up two touch, two nice plays, by the way. Two nice touchdowns, yes. but it was against BC's. I would say maybe half of their second unit and half of their third unit defensively because it was a running clock, like you said. But I thought BC played, and I've seen them live, what, like six times this year in person. It was by far their most complete game, by far. And there were still times when Troop Carl would have four or five plays in a row that were your basic run plays right up the gut, quick hitters up the gut and they were gashing them at times for 7, 10 yards a play but it was sort of bend don't break and that formula for BC's defense and troop just wore down uh very quickly and that's what BC tends to do to teams it, it it wears on you quickly when when you realize what you're up against well you know I think on the other side you know
0: yeah I know uh you know most of those yards came in the fourth quarter I mean uh you know like you said uh they held, BC held uh, Troop County to uh, 94 total yards rushing. Uh, Troop County did throw the ball on him, 238 yards, but we'll talk about who they're playing uh, this week who doesn't really like to throw the ball. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, uh, Teo Todd, I mean, the kid was left out on the island, if you ask me. I didn't see anybody else there on that other team on the other side on Troop County that was going to make a difference like that kid couldn't have made.
1: Uh, he took, it, Carl, he took a beating, too. It's It's, you know how there are some, times where a quarterback's running uh Gerner used to be good at this where at the last second he get, he can kind of just lean into the hit and he gets tackled but it's just a basic tackle he finds a way to avoid the huge hit teo todd was just getting bounced around by the bc defense he still managed to get his numbers because he's a good right. player obviously but i mean he he had no absolutely no chance uh to do much of anything like when he dropped back for passes, he was almost looking to run pretty like pretty quickly after the snap. I, I BC's defense, Carl has been good all year, but the emergence of Cody Brinson over the last two to three weeks uh, on the outside as basically a, you know what he's become as a shutdown corner uh, has really, really changed the look of what they can do and, and By that, I mean like all the stuff we talk about with like containing a quarterback with your defensive ends and your linebackers. The way that Cody Brinson's playing on the outside, they can sort of leave him on an island. He's got five interceptions. He's also got almost 60 tackles. He had – how many tackles did he have at cornerback last week? 11 tackles, three pass breakups, Carl. So he's caught fire of late. And then Wilkes Albert, the linebacker, 16 tackles last week. He's the guy that Pat Rossiter is calling on almost every play.
0: Well, you had Albert come in with sixteen. Glover came in with fifteen. Uh, Brinson had eleven. Uh, Hardy had nine. Uh, Scroggins had eight. Brian had eight. So the nucleus of that defense was there all night long for uh, Benedictine. But like you said, Brinson's been uh, you know a, a diamond in a rough that we didn't think of early in the season.
1: Yeah, and I think like it's. I mean, maybe it's not the he's like a shocking surprise to like the BC coaching staff. I just think that maybe like a lot of the responsibility was handled by Baker last year with the tackles or Brian last year with the interceptions. So now he's getting a lot of play. A lot of people are coming his way. Like the teams are are coming his way in order to avoid Zaquan Brian and, and maybe, you know, Wilkes, Wilkes, Albert too, in the middle, but Brinson. Yeah. he's, essentially a shutdown corner now, and nobody expected that before the season, I don't think.
0: And, you know, all of them, I mean, there were seven tackles. BC had seven tackles for losses in that game, so yeah. Uh, yeah, that that's pretty impressive, if you ask me.
1: Yeah, and and really, like, there were a lot of times where Todd was scrambling and he gained maybe one yard or got to the line, so it could have been even more than that. If, if, this week's going to be different, and we'll talk about it in a second, but but, man, from start to finish, they were ready to go last week. So, and they did that defensively without Baker, who got hurt
0: right early, early in the on. Game. Early yeah. in the game. But he should be back for this game.
1: That's, so, that's the word. And, and they would love him back because, obviously, playing a team like Cedartown, they're going to have to make a lot of tackles. They're going to be forced to make a lot of tackles one-on-one. Um, and so a guy like Baker coming back it would be huge. It'd be hard to imagine – Bryce Baker missing a game like this.
0: No, I think he'll he'll get whatever I think it's an ankle. He'll get it a high ankle sprain. He'll get he'll have that heavily uh he'll have that heavily taped and ready to go. So uh yeah, but overall, so just
1: play on one ankle.
0: Overall, I just want to say you asked me for a prediction. I was a lot closer than you are. I, I said 3314 and you said 28, what'd you say? 2817?
1: I think I had it something like, yeah, 2817. And I looked at Andy Rock, who I was sitting next to in the press box. And it was twenty-one, nothing after three, and I said, "I'm gonna need Danny Britt to slow down. I'm gonna need AJ DePhillips in this offense to slow down. If if my prediction is gonna be correct, because they went past that like halfway through the second quarter.
0: Uh, you should have said the old guy was right.
1: Okay, well I beat you two weeks ago though, so we'll see who gets it <laughs> right this week. I
0: know you were you you were you were uh, two out of three. I was one out of three. So well, this right. one all the marbles this all week. Right, and- Once again, we're both part of that Coach's Corner Sports Network. Check me out every Saturday morning on the internets, whether it be Facebook, uh, YouTube, Twitter. This man right here, you can get him every Tuesday uh, on Hot Crits Podcast and, of course, writing for Connects Founder. And then, of course, uh, you know, doing a great job with me for the Prep Sports Report. Uh, He also got his uh, own live show on Monday, and he'll be kicking it off live on Friday. Pre-game before the game starts at 338 coaches corner. So come on, you got questions to ask the young pup. The old guy, the OG won't be there. You know, I do have a job that I have to uh, work uh, seven to three. So, and then I got basketball practice. So uh, I'll be trying to, uh, you know, sneak on my phone and watch that uh, championship game. So, but tell them about what's happening Friday.
1: Well, I got to nail down the specifics with our guy, producer Larry. I I, I'm hoping that we'll do some sort of like a preview pre-game show Carl, but if if not, if if I can't pull that off, I think they're talking about possibly airing this over the speaker at Coach's Corner, this show that we're currently doing. So, well, either way, Coach's Corner. If the game starts at three thirty, and you're a BC fan that wants to watch the game there, which you should want to watch the game there, if you're staying in Savannah, uh, I would say two to two thirty was is probably when you should try and arrive if you want to get seats and. Be a part of that preview show.
0: I know. I know it'll be a packed house. Uh, you know, last time BC uh, they had it on their uh, coaches' corner. A lot of the BC fans showed up. Also, uh, you know, it's it's always a lot of fun when you're with a group of people watching the game. All right, second half of the show. We uh, you know, we're already gone 18 minutes. I can't believe this. Uh, we're gonna oh, talk can. about.
1: We do this every week. We <laughs> always go over. All right,
0: the class 4A Georgia High School State Association's class 4A state championship at Center Park Stadium. Tomorrow at three thirty, the Benedict Cadets taking on the Cedar Town. What are they called? The Cedar Town Bulldogs. Okay, that's right. So uh, it's going to be pretty, uh, pretty impressive. Uh, Cedar Town comes in being ranked number one all year, fourteen and zero, taking on the K Cadets that have, you know, after uh, the early part of their schedule have been coming on a roll. I think they've won what ten in a row there, buddy. So uh, it should be a heck of a game.
1: Yeah, this one has the makings of. I mean this is everything you want I think in a state championship football game. Like BC is number 4 "quote unquote" in the state. I don't think there's many people left that are that are really thinking that there's three teams in the state better than BC. I think most people would agree class 4A has the the two best teams in the state championship game. But what I think is interesting Carl that we t- always talk about these and I go with me here because I know this is a little nerdy, maybe not your style, but all of these ratings, like these Maxwell ratings, Massey predictions that we that we talk about throughout the year, they almost never differ from each other, right? They're never; they almost always agree, and there's some sort of a pattern. This is this game is not that's not the case because the, the computers don't agree when they simulate the game out and do their predictions. I think. Maxwell has them twenty one nineteen 19 Cedartown, I think. And then Massey ratings, which is also just an algorithm, just raw de- data, uh, has BC 28, Cedartown 24. So that those are – I mean, those are two pretty different scores, not only the winner and loser, but the total number of points, the kind of game that it might be. Um, I, I do think – the and ha- i've watched cedar town like four of their games uh not in full but a lot of their plays i think the best comp that i can come up with is probably whitewater from the first round um right. I, I don't know how much you, you've seen or know about cedar town but like to me it won't be a team like they run the option and they're only going to throw it four or five times a game but it's not going to be your standard typical option offense that's slow methodical kind of vanilla there's a lot of wrinkles to it
0: well you know uh you know like you said you watched the video when we were talking before we started uh, recording this that you know they'll they'll uh try to change the pace of the game and they'll try to uh you know they want to run the ball down your throat so you know it's cut and dry but like you said from what i was hearing. Is that they're going to throw a pass when you don't expect them to pass? And that's that's how you have to do it. You know, if, uh, you're going to sit on there. You're going to be sitting there waiting on the pa- waiting on the run, waiting on a run. Sooner or later, that coach is going to throw it on first and ten, or second and short, or or you know, of course, third and long. Uh, I didn't get the breakdown of what they do on third and long, but uh, I just think Cedar Town, like you said, to go fourteen and zero up until this point of the season is very impressive. But my question to you is: Have they played the schedule that? Benedictine has.
1: So those the computers also do those the strength of schedule rankings, and I'm not talking about the GIAA max preps type strength of schedule. I'm talking about a real strength of schedule here, like an actual strength of schedule. And they're within ten ranking points. I mean, they're within ten of each other um, in the whole state. I think BC's was not as high, like not as tough as Cedar Towns, only because when you when you count the bowl school and Columbus out of Florida, it skews the whole thing because it's an out of state game. And so we know that like, we know that the bowl school and that Christopher Columbus are good teams in the state of Florida. So we know that that schedule has been tough. The ratings have Cedar town's a little tougher, but yeah, they have played a good schedule. I don't think it's, like, I don't think that 14 and 0 is a fluke, if that's what no. you're Like, there's some cupcake games in there. Let's be clear about that. BC had a couple of those too, but I think the schedules are pretty comparable. And I would say that, but I would say BC's was a little tougher.
0: I mean, you know, I'm not talking about cupcake games here. Okay. I really not. And not in the back of the day when uh, I was coaching Groves High School and it was Camden County and the Seven Dwarfs. Okay. Uh, I mean, <laughs> So I'm not talking about that kind of schedule like can the county had, but I just think that I know we go by computers and uh, algorithms and all this other stuff. I just think though BC has prepared themselves for this situation in tougher games. Uh, you know, North Oconee is a very good team. Bainbridge is always a good team. I mean, I was shocked that uh Cedar town blew Stevenson out 48 to 16 in the first round of the playoff game. And well, The first two games, Cedar Shoals and Stevenson. Stevenson, I played in, in, uh, you know, way back when in a playoff game. So,
1: yeah, uh, I watched some of that game, and Stevenson, like, there were it wasn't as bad as it looked, but you could just tell that they gave up pretty quick in the second half because they knew it was over. But it could have gone a different way in that one.
0: Right, right. So, I mean, from October seventh on, well, not even. I mean, this team has scored. 39 or more points in every game except for the last two playoff games. So, I, I don't know. I, I just think that, that BC, in my mind personally, yes, you can call me a homer. You can say I'm from Savannah. I just think they played a tough schedule. And I think they got the the, the, the better prepared for this. Atlanta. Oh, I agree.
1: I agree. I think BC has played a tougher schedule. But I don't think, like, they're – I mean, if we just want to be honest, like Spalding, their arrival in the second round – they did not play a tough schedule, right. Uh, and then, you know, honestly, when you look at Stockbridge, their schedule left a lot to be desired. It, that wasn't a great schedule either. Cedartown is worthy of be of fourteen and 0, I think. and like I think the 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 kind of backstory for, for this game, Carl, maybe Jamie Abrams, the coach that who's in his third season at Cedartown. I've listened to him on a few interviews. Like I just went to the podcast app and, and searched Jamie Abrams Cedartown to try to listen to a couple of his interviews. If, if anyone listening to this does that, tell me that he doesn't sound exactly like Danny Britt. It's, it's, the, it's the, it's the same tone, the same terminologies, the little things, the fundamentals, it's about us. We're getting better. Uh, like it's always just the same constant, consistent, preaching of getting better every single day and it's you can tell in the foot in the way that his football team plays that they respond to that they're a lot like bc in a lot of ways
0: all right so uh quickly let's talk about uh you know uh the the key cedar town bulldog players that you've uh researched now uh, we we know about town the quarterback diamond and running back Gardner the running back i mean you got three guys that you know 584 yards with Davis, uh, 912 yards with Gardner, uh, you know, Diamond over 1,200 yards. So tell us about what, we got, what we're going to expect, because it's going to be a run offense. I mean, they average over 300 yards a game running, uh, 350 yards a game running. They only pass for about 60 to 7 yards a game. So we know we're going to see the ball on the ground.
1: Yeah, so my synopsis of Cedar Town offensively is, A, they have a – Ton of seniors, and I know that BC's experienced, but a lot of them aren't seniors. Now I don't know if they're how much you want to buy into that or or pay attention to that—the difference between a junior and a senior. But Reese Tanner, quarterback, senior, three-year starter. Okay, he's been starting since he's a sophomore. Harlem Diamond is sort of their version of Justin Thomas. He's going to get a ton of carries, but even when they throw the ball. Uh, which a lot of times they'll throw the ball out of packages where there are no receivers on the field. It'll just be a straight brought back and then diamonds coming out of the backfield into the flats. That'll be what they do. They want to get Harlem Diamond the ball as many ways as possible. And he plays on both sides. He's got 18 receptions, 400 yards, eight touchdowns receiving in an option offense. Okay, and that's to go along with his 1,218 rushing yards and 21 touchdowns. And then I guess Tanner, I would qualify him as a game manager, like the quarterback, you know, he's not going to light it up, but he's far from a liability. Um, They do a lot of stuff pre-snap, Carl, where they get to the line, they act like they're about to snap it, then they look to the sideline and change the play or act like they're changing the play. So, I, you know, BC fans should probably prepare for that, that kind of, uh, you know, offense. Um, And then the the one guy – defensively Carl that's like stands out and I mean really stands out is Eli Barrow he has 174 tackles Carl this wow. season 174 tackles this season 13 sacks also and like when you when you see those numbers you expect a 6'6 290 pound linebacker he's not that he's just an average sized guy that that makes a lot of tackles so that's my synopsis on so Town and they're best players. Was that uh was that in depth enough, you think?
0: Oh yeah, and, and I'm gonna go a little in more in depth on their uh their previous seasons, okay? They've never made it past the uh Sweet 16. Okay. Uh they they've that for from 2018 all the way up till this year, the furthest they got is to the second round. So yeah, they got experience. They got a lot of scenes, but how much experience have they got going deep into the playoffs like this bunch that's coming in from BC. These guys last year, they've been to the championship, and you know the year before they've been to the state semifinals. So uh, yeah, I know we got a lot of seniors, but they don't, in my mind. From of course, I'm doing this. This is on paper. Uh, I don't think they have much experience in the playoffs. So that's that's my key think, on Cedar Town. I thought Cedar
1: Town made it to the semifinals last year and lost to Carver. All
0: right. What? So here, here's what we got previous seasons. Okay. So I'll kick it up here for you. All right. And all right, we got to go back to 2016, 2017. They uh went to the second round. Two thousand and nineteen, they made it to the first round. Two thousand and twenty, they made it to the first round. Two thousand and twenty-two, uh, yes, they did make it. They did not make it to the to, to the semifinals last year. So, yeah, but so before they have, that, they had never been before, before that, that never been any further than where they've been at,
1: huh? Well, it does seem like, because they're like, it's where Nick Chubb went to high school. It seems like that they would be, I guess maybe they don't have historically as much in common as BC, but I mean, you remember what we said last week about BC? They sort of were always a sleeping giant, we thought, right? Before Danny, oh, yeah. did, but they weren't actually producing that much. Right. Maybe that's what Cedartown's become in these three years under Abrams. Maybe they're, finally cashing in on some of this talent but they, I know this that, that that Abrams talks all the time about he's a lot like Tim Jordan where he talks all the time about homegrown kids right which is code word for that we don't do the transfer stuff <laughs> um, and so I don't know if that's some sort of like a shot or or you know a jab at schools that do that private schools especially because they're not having a lot of kids move into Cedartown, Georgia. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so they're they're different in that way. But I, I don't know. Do you think uh, – like, do you think BC – like, could you see them doing – like, against Whitewater, they had four plays in the first quarter, BC did. And I was starting to worry that, man, they might only get five, six possessions in this game. And I know sometimes BC will will stall a couple of drives or they'll get, you know, stagnant for a couple of drives where they have to punt, where they might might go three and out, where they might have a penalty that costs them. I that's the kind of thing that I'd be worried about if I was a BC fan, because once you give the ball back to Cedar Town, now they're built to hold it for the next six
0: to eight minutes. Well, that's that's going to be the key. And then okay. when you get it back, do you want to like rush? Like you got. And you I've, I've said it. I've said it a lot of times. This all throughout this year with certain games and certain teams, the best defense for Cedar Town is to keep BC's offense off the field. And just like Whitewater did, like we said, they did a great job. But once BC made the adjustments on defense, it was a different story. So yeah, it's going to be the same philosophy. You got to keep that Benedictine offense off the field, uh, and uh, and this team from what we're seeing and what from you watch from what i'm seeing on paper is they want to hold the ball and they want to run the ball and you know when you run the ball the clock moves and you keep the other team off the field so yeah i could see i could see bc's gonna to have to come up with a quick fix if they want to get the ball more in in the first half now here's another question we flipped the coin and bc knows that you know if cedar town starts with the ball it might be another white water does danny britt take the ball but right now, but we've been saying all along, if I'm the head coach, my defense right now is outstanding, and I think it's where one of the best. Maybe I should start on defense and stop them, so we have a second chance when the second half starts. So, I mean, there's a lot of a lot of uh, questions that are going to be tossed up in that BC uh, coaches' meetings.
1: Yeah, I, I think like well, that's an interesting point. That's an interesting point on the coin toss. Now, I don't keep I keep up with a lot of different stats. I don't keep up with who wins the toss. I just keep up with who gets the ball first. If that makes sense. So I that know makes that sense. BC has gotten it in to start the second half for the last two games. Um and, but I don't know if that's I know Troop County won and and deferred. Right. So but that is interesting if they win the coin toss. Um which is the Georgia High School Association's favorite thing to do in the world is to flip the coin. So <laughs> that will be interesting to, to watch what they do. You know what else is, has been interesting is that the last two weeks, um, or no, I'm sorry, the last two home games, so against Spalding and against um, uh, Troop last week, an onside kick in both of those games from Danny Britt and the Cadets. So that might be something else to watch as far as special teams go. Uh, And then I guess, should we talk special teams quickly? The the difference between the Cedar Town and BC.
0: All right, we're going to get to that in a second. But yeah, you know, we got to get to the special teams because I think that's going to be difference, like you're saying, just by the research I read that you did. On BC side, yes, we're going to be missing one of our key players that has been playing all year. Thomas Blackshear will not play. Baker has an ankle injury, but I'm telling you right now, uh, you know, these other kids have been stepping up.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and, and it's a guy like Kieran Glover, the middle linebacker, who like doesn't really jump off. I mean, how many times have we talked about him this year, if we're being honest? Not too often, but he's always right there, right? With eight, And he had 15 tackles last week. Cole Simeon, just sort of always five to eight tackles, maybe a tackle for a loss and a sack. But there's so many of them now with the emergence of Brinson. Brian, I expect Baker to at least be a contributor if he's able to play which we think he is he's going to contribute in some way at least um and so they're doing it sort of as a group effort
0: but there are there is some star power there too i mean they they small samuels samuel yeah. not samuels samuels i mean i mean he's he's come out of the rude work for the uh, for the cadets i mean he was he was backup most of the year wasn't he
1: yeah and he was like a he, he was like getting his carries as like a specialty guy. Like he was sort of the lightning to what, whoever else was the thunder, maybe it was Zach Edwards. Now he's running a lot between the tackles. Like he's doing the tough yards too, which, which has been impressive.
0: All right. So, and you know, Luke Cromahawk has been steady. He's been learning. He's, you know, here you have a quarterback that had no experience at all or hadn't had much experience uh, he's he's learned over the, the last 14 games, and uh, he's a threat to run the ball and throw the ball, and uh, that young offensive line is starting to gel because that was a big, uh, you know, Dennis Knight wrote a great article about at the beginning of the year, that was a big question, how this offensive line was going to gel, and they've done a great job. So there's been a lot of good stories for BC, but most of all, and this will be the last segment, is it's going to come down to special teams, and you can tell them why.
1: Yeah, so like when you look at the two like the differences between the two teams, it's pretty radical in the kicking department and in a state title game or in any game where it's two, the two best teams going head to head, you would think that three points or, you know, special teams, small things would begin to matter a lot more the closer the teams get in competition level. And so Asher Sigmund for BC has come on of late and let's see what the, The numbers for him are for him and Hudson Grove. I think they've missed two PATs all year, like 64 of 66, right? Something like that. Cedar Town has missed 13 extra points, like they're 63 of 76. So it's not like they they don't kick PATs, but they've missed 13 of them. So that's I mean that's almost one a game, right? Not a math guy, but 14 games, 13 missed PATs. And then they're also one of four on field goals. And that is important to me because which number is more important, the one or the four? To me, it's the four. That means we're only attempting four field goals all season as an option offense, which tells me on third and eight, third and seven, they know they're going forward on fourth, and so they're they're fine with picking up four. And if you're BC, you probably have to, be okay with that right? And, and, and you know, trust yourself that you're going to stop them at least one out of every two uh, fourth downs. But the kicking game, I could see that ma- being a big difference. Um, and, and BC has a guy in Asher Sigmund now that they can firmly trust.
0: All right, so here we go. Let's come down to our predictions. Uh, last week I was close. I said 33-14. I went with – I'm not going to say it was me. I went with the Massey, uh predictions or the Maxwell predictions, whichever one it was. So, what what were they predicting this week?
1: Okay, Massey has BC 28, Cedartown 24. So, that's, what, uh, 56 total points, something like that? Or 56 over under. And then Maxwell, which is the Georgia only ratings, the Maxwell ratings, that we typically use, that has Cedartown 21, BC 19. So that's 40 total points with Town winning. Um, so basically, n- n- nobody knows.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to tell you right now. We just talked about it, and I'm an OG. I'm an OG coach. I got a lot of coach cliches. Offense wins games. Defense wins championships. But tonight, the third team – oh, sorry, tomorrow afternoon – The special team game of BC is going to win the championship. I'm going to say it's going to be a close one. I'm going to go 24-21 BC. They win it because of their special teams and their field goal kicking unit.
1: All right. So you got 24-21. I'm going to make sure I write this down because –
0: I wrote it down, buddy. I'm going to write yours down too.
1: Because uh, we're going to be a year away until we do this again, and I know you'll try to pretend like you won. So 2421. <laughs> um I like BC to win. I like BC to win, but I like I still don't know if it'll be high scoring or low scoring. I can't right. really tell and, and it's just because of the number of possessions. I don't think BC is going to have trouble scoring against Cedar Town like when it has the ball. Right. Um and I do think Cedar is going to be able to, like when you rush for over 350 yards a game, you're probably going to get at least 200. Like, you, I mean, you're going to get yours. Right. I, I'm going to say, I'm going to go, I'm going to err on the side of higher scoring. I'm going to say BC 30, Cedartown 20. I'm going to say Cedartown scores three touchdowns and misses an extra point. 30 to 20 20 BC.
0: I'm going to go a little lower. I think it's going to be a slugfest. I think it's going to be a slobber knocker. They're both going to try and run the ball. They're going to try and throw the pass, mix the pass in there. We know BC is going to do it 50% of the time because that's what the statistics tell us. But I just think it's going to be a great game. And I think BC, with the experience, is going to be good enough to win this by at least three points. And uh, I'm going to stick with that.
1: All right. What about this? Let's assume BC wins. Who's going to be the MVP of the game? You can only pick
0: one. Uh, I got to go with uh, the S- Sigmund, the field goal kicker. Oh,
1: that's a dark horse pick. Yep, that's a dark horse pick. I'm going to go with the opposite of a dark horse pick. I think that they're going, the BC is going to ride Saquon Bryan as all, early and often as they can, and I can now- see him scoring. Uh, I'm going to say that he scores at least two touchdowns. Um, and maybe throw in an interception in the fourth quarter.
0: That was my other choice. That was the first choice. But I figured if I'm going to stick with my special teams theory, i got to go with a special teamer. And you know what? Danny Britt has proven since he started here at BC that the field goal game is in the the special team game or the special team part of the team is special to him, and he never neglects it. And I, I just think that's what's going to be the defining moment for Danny Britt picking up his fourth state title ring.
1: Carl, if, if he picks up his fourth, and I know we're not going to get into this, we're, we're going to have to start having the conversation of where Danny Britt ranks amongst Savannah high school sports coaches all-time ever. Any sport ever.
0: Yeah, we'll get into that. I'd I like to get into that discussion with you.
1: I mean, he would have to be in the conversation with four titles, right? Maybe I not know. at the top, but he'd be up. I mean,
0: Oh, he'd be up there. There's not many coaches from Savannah that have four state titles.
1: Yeah, I would think Russell Ellington, Tim Jordan... Kevin Farmer, maybe.
0: Kevin Farmer's got some rings, too. Yeah. So, all right. Well, I hope it's a good one. I know, uh, once again, Travis on will be at, well, right now, while we're recording this, he'll be at Coach's Corner at 2 o'clock to do a pregame show. He'll also be there at 3.30 to watch the show and give us his breakdown when he writes up the uh, roundup. Uh, anything else you want to let them know?
1: No, yeah, just looking forward to the game on Friday. Uh, I think people know where they can find me now. Uh, Carl, this has been fun to do this all year with you
0: i mean it's always a lot of fun especially talking local sports about these local kids you being that honorable all-mentioned basketball player you are so uh you know there's a little flavor right there
1: one you, you know it's like being a five-star once you're an honorable mention all region uh, 3a <laughs> basketball player you're always an all region it's like I, i'm being a member of the heisman
0: like i said in, in my own mind I'm a, I'm a state championship coach but never have a ring to show it
1: that's okay you'll get one <laughs>
0: I've come close to getting to a state championship, but I haven't been there yet. So, uh, well,
1: Danny's got some. He can let you borrow one. Man, he's got I, I, plenty. I'm
0: happy. I'm happy with my two spout championships and my uh and JV championship. That's that's the closest thing I've got to championship. So, <laughs> nice. So, all right. I'll talk to you later. And uh, once again, I'm going to say it right here: Go Cadets. Go Cadets! I'll say it. Thanks, Carl. I'll talk to you later. See you. And remember, Friday. At Coach's Corner at 2 o'clock, there'll be a pregame show with Travis Jadon, with Jadon Sports. Check it out. It's going to be a great one. Get over to Coach's Corner. Watch the game. Be with a bunch of great fans, great people, great food. Remember, it's all sports. It's all music. It's all local. It's all the time because it's all food and fun at Coach's Corner since 1991. Hey, it's been a lot of fun doing this. I hope you enjoyed the coaches. Uh Pigskin preview for the 2022 season. Uh, you know, trying to do what my good little buddy who's not on the air anymore that used to do at high school first look, PJ Zuko. Uh The kid was great doing this every week. I just hope I uh, could live up. I lived up to his standards and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun tomorrow. 3.30, Center Park Stadium. Uh, the Benedictine Cadets taking on the Cedar, Cedar Town Bulldogs. It's going to be a lot of fun. God bless. Good luck. And uh, once again, whatever you may be doing, May you always hit it out of the park, just like BC is going to do tomorrow. That's out of Center Park in Atlanta State. Take care. Talk to you later.